0: So hello, we are, uh, I think we're live on Facebook. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, creator of the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV, here doing our show about the amazing book, Always a Song, by amazing, gorgeous, fantastic Ellen Harper in Claremont, California, and the wonderful Sam Barry in Northern California. They are the co-authors of this book about Ellen's life. So I'm Hope Katz Gibbs and you are about to experience the cover story of the April issue of Be Incandescent Health and Wellness Magazine, where these folks will be uh, featured and honored. And we appreciate you both being here so very much. So Ellen, Ellen is the mom of Ben Harper, the Grammy Award-winning musician, and she also runs the Folk Music Center, which her parents started in Southern California, 30 miles east of Los Angeles. So Ellen, I want to throw it over to you. Talk about your life, the genesis of this book, how you came to meet the wonderful Sam Barry, and more. Well, uh, that's a simple question,
1: let's see. <laughs> um, well, the, I started writing stories, I've always written stuff you know jotting things notes stories um anecdotes and um after my parents passed and I realized that my kids really didn't know much about the beginnings of the story I started seriously writing stories about events and people and so I had dozens and dozens of stories and um Mark Talber became interested in them he saw them and um wanted me to, I guess short stories don't sell all that well, collections of short stories, and he thought it would be a great memoir, which I didn't really know how to turn stories into a memoir and brought Sam on, and Sam came on and um, we turned all this preservation of history and family and folk music and into a memoir.
0: It's beautiful. So a little bit about Sam Barry, I'm going to put us back on gallery mode so you can see the three of us. So Sam is a musician, an author, a harmonica player. Uh, he is just uh, amazing. One of his books is called uh, Write That Book Already, which he wrote with his wife who has, has passed Cal- Kathy Corman-Golmark. Sam, correct me. Tell 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 our audience about you.
2: Um, sure, yeah. I, I wrote "Then" and How to Play the Harmonica and Other Life Lessons. Um, and um worked on a book i edited and sort of created a book called hard listening that um uh, which is about the rock bottom remainders a band that i'm in that's stranger than strange um i am uh, i've had a uh, interesting life and and that and included in that has been being a musician all my life and playing harmonica and keyboards or piano would be and uh and writing and working in publishing which has been wonderful and um it got the pleasure of, of mark tauber uh working with mark mark tauber who's the publisher now at chronicle uh books a publisher at chronicle books but um we met when we both worked at HarperCollins, and mark uh contacted me because of my dual background as a you know writer editor and um, and musician because he thought that that was perfect for teaming up with Ellen, given her her background and what we were writing about, given the musical element of that is the major thread running through Ellen's life, and that helped me a lot. Uh, and also, Ellen and I share not just musical background but even a, a genre of music, which is I'm going to is American folk music um, and how it influenced rock and roll and blues and folk sort of blend together and country music and so we had a lot in common and I, we, I think we made a darn good team in the process of doing this
0: so sam tell us a little bit more about the rock bottom remainders that's actually how i came to know you in 2012 when the remainders which is a book band that features stephen king your brother dave barry yeah. sorry yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah
0: amy tan um and i did a little pr for you and you guys were in washington And Roger McGuinn was playing with you when you played there, which was amazing. I had the opportunity to go meet with him and his wife in Orlando, California. Roger McGuinn, of course, is one of the leaders or the leader of the birds. Um, And you guys have just been all around the world, practically all around the country for sure, performing. So tell us about the Rock Bottom Remainders.
2: So the interesting thing about the Rock Bottom Remainders is that uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I was playing with uh, non-musicians um uh, the band was uh, the brainchild of my late wife kathy came in goldmark and um she just had this she knew all these authors uh, from her work and um uh it was it was this was long enough ago that she faxed them all the question what, what do you think about being a in, in a band for a good cause at a major publishing convention and Tours surprise, they all said yes. And uh, Amy Tan asked, when do we go shopping for clothes? And um, Stephen King is a member of that band, as you said. And neither of them are um, good musicians, although they do have music in them. And um, my brother Dave Barry, uh, the humorist, is also was actually is a good musician. And if he'd applied himself, no, I'm kidding. Um, he, he did fine writing humor. And uh, we have many other uh, wonderful, uh, Greg Isles as a member of the band, The Novelist and um, uh, Roy Blunt, Jr. Uh, In the original manifestation of the band, Barbara Kingsolver was the keyboard player. Mitch Album is the keyboard player along with me uh, since then. And I should explain um, Scott Turow, Roy Blunt, Jr. Uh, It's a big band (laughs) and there have been a lot of people involved. But uh, we love doing it. It's sort of more like summer camp than it is really um, music because a lot of the fun for us is just coming together, trying to remember what key the song is that we played the last time since we never really rehearsed. Uh, as, and as you can probably tell, it's not about you know, um, creating great music so much as it is about having fun and, and raising money for a good cause. Amy actually said about playing in the, this band, she said, this is so much fun, I would do this to kill the whales. And, uh, and and we we've had various mottos over the years, such as uh, one of the best is um, three chord, You know, the rock bottom remainder is three chords and an attitude, because three chord songs are the simplest of songs. And um, we we just raise money for a good cause. We've gone on tour all around the United States doing this. And um, I oh I should explain about the ringer part that Roger McGuinn. So obviously is a great musician and. Over the years, we had three ringers like that, uh, and uh, Al Cooper was the first one. The second one was Warren Zevon. Most people probably remember for "Werewolves of London," not his favorite song of his, but uh, "Where's Guns and Money" would be, a, you know, more the the idea. But he, he, when my brother asked him if he needed any money to be in the band, Warren said, "Oh no, I just." The only thing I'd ask is that if we ever do Werewolves of London, that Stephen King sing it. So that, that became the rule. You'd have Warren, Warren Zevon playing his own song with Stephen King singing it. And, and so you get the idea. It's a lot of fun it's a great band and I'm, I've been honored to be a part of it. And we're still going. You know, We'll see about post pandemic. We were still playing right up till last year when we played in Minneapolis. At, I mean, year before last when we played up in Minneapolis in the fall at a new book festival that they're holding up there. So that's a lot, but there you go. That's the Rock of Remainders.
0: Well, I love it. I love it. And it's so exciting to, um, to know about some of the backstories. You guys actually are good. I've been to several of your concerts and I'm impressed. You know, I mean, Roger McGuinn was sort of leading it. So maybe I, I was impressed by that, but I thought you all did such a great job. And Ellen, you For... are a, an amazing musician. Talk about your music career and playing with Ben and making albums.
1: Well, I played, I just started playing when I was pretty young, 14, about 14. And, um, my mother taught guitar forever, banjo, and, um, just played for fun. Mostly. I mean, everybody in my world played guitar, played music, sang. So it just seemed like the the natural thing to do and, um, did a little performing when I was younger, you know, raised a family <laughs> and, uh, set it aside for a bit when came back to it. And um, I've always, gosh, for the last, I don't know, 30 years, I had a a little something, a band or a duet or something going on. And uh, and then Ben and I had um, decided, uh, well, Ben invited me to do a concert, a song with him at a show. And we worked up a song. We did a song. We did a video. And um, then I... uh, We did an album and went out on tour, and I that's pretty much my musical career. I don't know. (laughs) I play banjo guitar, ukulele,
0: sing, write. And I love how absolutely humble you are. (laughs) So we're gonna tell a little bit of this story, um, how I got to meet Ellen. So I was visiting Sam in Northern California on a trip and I told him that I had gotten accepted to Claremont graduate university's positive psychology program in Southern California and he said you know what I'm writing a book with this woman who owns the folk music center there and she's the mom of Ben Harper and I'm like oh my god so when I got to Claremont I walked into it so Ellen next I want you to talk about the the folk music center because it's so magical but I walk in I introduce myself And she took me under her wings. She took me out for coffee. Graduate school turned out to be at 55, you know, a a bigger trip than I had expected. And Ellen was so supportive and wonderful. She has her PhD from Claremont in education. And she told me some of her miraculous stories. So I love how you see uh, God's hand at work and how like just miracles happen. So that was beautiful. So thank you both for taking such good care of me in that time of need. And so Ellen, now show us Mm -hmm. the Boat Music Center. You're standing, you're sitting in the, back of it yes I'm sitting in
1: the back the folk music Center is a lot of things it's a store it's also a, um, a museum a nonprofit educational institution and uh, in the before times before the pandemic we had field trips open mics concert series we have a festival all kinds of things going on but the store itself is divided into the main store uh, the gallery, there's teaching rooms and then I'm in the back, which is the shop. And you can see there's a few kind of interesting instruments behind me and then a mess on the other side. Well, the store was started. My mother, like I say, was a musician, had always played and sung. And my father, having lost his job on the East Coast, um, thank you to Joe McCarthy. We moved West and uh, he decided he didn't want to have a boss and started the folk mu- they started the folk music center. And they just grew and grew. They, it opened in 1958. So it was a perfect time to be in folk music. And we uh, had a huge, I mean, it was just grew rapidly.
0: So amazing. So it's, you talk about this in the book about the history and the stories and actually Jackson Brown is quoted at the top. And in the introduction, I was so moved by what Ben wrote Tell us a little bit about, so actually, let me back up a, qu- a minute. You are a Jewish woman, as am I, and you married a Black man and had three beautiful Black boys that you raised in this very white community of Claremont. Um, and you talk about it openly, and Ben talks about his experience there. Would you just kind of review that for us so that more fo- folks can know about this amazing piece of your
1: life? Claremont, it's, it's kind of a dual approach. Uh, Feeling here in Claremont, uh, it is a very white town. Still is. It's a college town. There's, I think, seven colleges here, and um, and so in some ways it was a very protected environment. It was very safe, and especially because everyone knew the family and knew the knew the kids and and um, but it also it was an a, interracial marriage just wasn't that common when we married. I'd, I believe the uh, government statistics said only 17% of the population approved of interracial marriage, which was up from 5% in, uh, or 4%, I think, in 1955, but still not a lot of people. And, um, and so there were a lot of assumptions made, especially had to deal with this at school an assumption that, well, they're Black, they're male, they must love team sports. Um, they're uh, black, they're male, they're probably going to have reading, let's set them up with extra reading and math tutorials, let's, you know, assumptions that I was perpetually at the school confronting, and, uh, you know, I just was undaunted by any argument that I received, and if I felt a teacher wasn't, wasn't appropriately approaching their education, I would, wouldn't stand for it, they would Get moved to a teacher that was uh, a better match, and um, I'm sure they were really glad to see the <laughs> see the backside of all of us once we left the <laughs> Claremont school system.
0: Well, Ben talks about um, I love this story. He talks about um, being so excited to go on a field trip, and them not letting him on the bus, sort of almost. So tell us that story.
1: Well, he uh, he tells it best, but. He had an overdue library book, and they um, decided that he would be pulled from the field trip uh, because he hadn't um, brought his library book back. And, you know, he, he called, went to the office and called me right away. I was there in a heartbeat. I said, uh, I, I want to look at the library records, because if there's any kid, other kid, who has an overdue book that's going on this field trip, I'm going to call the ACLU. So, anyway, they uh, just decided not to do that and to let him on the field trip.
0: <laughs> it's it's <laughs> amazing that you were so powerful and had the the insight to do that. Like, well, talk about that.
1: Do what you got to do, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> As a mom, yeah,
1: mom. Uh, it's a single mom, also.
0: Yes, yeah, single mom, Sam. Pick out one of your favorite stories in the book and tell us about it.
2: Uh, well, there are, there are a lot, a lot of terrific stories in the book, and it ranges um, over really more uh, um, greater period than we've touched on yet. It goes back to the uh, times and when Ellen and her family lived in New England, and uh, stretches all the way up to not long ago. Um, I think uh, maybe I would pick a couple of short little stories. Um, One that really moved me uh, a great deal was, um, there's more to this story, but I'll just say the gist of it, which was that after Ellen's father was um, uh, exposed, and I use that term very in a qualified way, as having been a communist, which means he had been one, a member of the party uh, years before and uh, no longer was a member and was uh, you know, upstanding citizen, raising a family and school teacher. But because of the communist background in the McCarthy era um, uh, and the insanity of the McCarthy era, that meant he lost his job. And in, in many ways, Ellen and her, her sister's mother, they all completely lost their community. And there's a story she tells about walking down the street and uh, being, I don't remember right now the exact terminology, Ellen could help me, but uh, where uh, some boys are driving by and they throw a Coke bottle and Mm -hmm. hit her um, and scream, you know, terms about being Jewish and communist at her. Um, And I just can't, you know, that moved me a great deal because for a girl, for anyone to experience that is awful. For a girl without a lot of information about how the world works, uh, to suddenly find she's considered a pariah and is being shunned and attacked in this case uh, by the world, Uh, it must have been so shocking. And I'm gonna swing all the way to the other side of Ellen's life or to to more recent times, in other words, to a story that just popped into my head right now when you asked, and that is Ellen is backstage at uh, uh, the Neil Young's festival to raise money for the Bridge School, uh, which used to be a big event here. and uh, you know, all these great stars would come and play music. And but the, it, Ellen had a wonderful time playing there with her uh, herself and with Ben. But she's backstage and uh, w- with her <laughs> with her grandchild. And she realizes that Paul, Sir Paul McCartney is sitting over there, and they get into a charming talk and a conversation. Actually, as two grandparents, really. And uh, it's noticeable, I think Ellen notes that her grandchild is, you know, kind of willing to meet this man, but wants to get back to playing a video game. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was just a charming story about uh, (laughs) what it's like behind the scenes in the uh, world of music.
0: Ellen, talk more about that, tell us about that Mm -hmm. moment. Um, Well, let's see, Bridge
1: School, Bridge School Benefit, like Sam says, just brings wonderful musicians all together, different genres, different kinds sorts of people but um i mean he pretty he told the story pretty well just uh cj was playing video games and paul came over introduced himself and said cj come over and uh you know he's he's very polite you know hi how do you do but he's looking over you know back at his game (laughs) and uh yeah we we agreed that you know (laughs) there was competition (laughs) for meeting meeting a anyone in a game.
0: So I love that you know, you know, you both know all these wonderful, very well-known people, but yet there's um, a humanness to it, right? So what the public persona is, and then the private persona, talk a little bit about, you know, Jackson Brown coming into the Folk Music Store or just all these other folks and and what that was like for you as a young woman growing up and what's your perspective on it now?
1: Well, the Folk Music Center, you know, we've had famous people coming in forever. You know, Leonard Cohen was here, uh, not too far up on, on Mount Baldy and he would come in and Tom Waits come in and I mean, all kinds of people come in, but really the, the music store of policy, I mean, is people come in to look and they want to play and they want to check all these, you know, fantastic instruments is to leave them alone and just let them be who they are and do what they do Um, My father was never impressed with celebrity anyway. So uh, I remember the first when Taj Mahal came in, and he comes in, you know, and he's just like '60s decked out, and comes in and wants to meet my father. He's heard about him, and says, "Oh, Mr. Chase, you know, I'm uh, uh, Taj Mahal," and my father's like, "Taj who?" Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, he he just it just didn't matter. I mean, you either loved music and instruments, or, or whatever. You know, plumbing, <laughs> and electricity. He, his interests were wide ranging, and uh, you got as much attention no matter who you were.
0: And the the center is just so magical. I mean, there are musicians, there are instruments everywhere, and you can touch them and play with them. It's and. Ben talks about that freedom when he was little that he wasn't Mm -hmm. scolded for you know touching the instruments on the wall. Talk about how people come in and interact at the store.
1: Well I think you know I like to think that we have a very welcoming atmosphere. I've got a great support staff here and um, really they're they have endless patience and um, more than I do actually with people and um, but But people are allowed to touch and play. And I mean, it was established as that. In fact, I think it's in the mission statement of the museum, you know, that it's a place you can touch and play instruments. And, um, you know, no one's going to tell you, don't touch, don't touch. And uh, and so people come in and there's, you know, just spontaneous jam sessions. And at least there were, I mean, everything's been so different this past year. It's hard to even believe that we were doing fun stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, you know, we have an open mic. People meet each other. They become bands. We've got one young woman who got her start here at an open mic. Phoebe Bridgers was nominated for a Grammy, just in this last round. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of support for young people, old people, everybody that wants to play music. And um, you know, a lot of people don't. They've been told they're not musical at some point in their young life, and that just that just gets you you know, it's part of who you are, your voice, your, and, um, they come back to it as adults. And, and we get them playing and singing the first, first 10 minutes that they're in a the class, they, they, they realize that they can be musical.
0: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I am one of those people who is not musical. <laughs> really, I'm not, but I appreciate yeah. the music. Talk about, um, you know, raising a Grammy you have three amazing sons and grandchildren and But talk a little bit about Ben, and did you know when he was a little guy that he would grow up to be the musician that he is?
1: Of course, I did not know what he would grow up to be. I didn't know what any of them would grow up to be. Um, You know, I I remember, um, you know, sometimes they got in some trouble at school. They're, They're very outgoing, very social people. And so sometimes the socialization at school was more important than the schoolwork. So, you know, there were those kinds of situations, but remember meeting, I was told you there's no way a white woman can raise three black male children on her own, you know, sent, sent me to talk to a school psychologist and um, he said, you know, you, you just, you just can't do it, they have to have, a, you know, a good black male influence or they're going to wind up on drugs or in prison or both. And uh, I just, I, I, I didn't mince my words with what I told him what I thought about him. And, um. Actually, they have done none of the above. <laughs> so, oh, but no, I didn't know. And I didn't, you know, I wanted them to find what their path was, I guess. I suppose I could have been more um, proactive about it. Uh, ben had me, I mean, I could tell, when I would sing a song, I, you know, cause I taught and like I say, I played in bands, I would hear this little high harmony floating around the house you know, he might be playing with his, you know, whatever, toys and games. And, but this, he would would sing along. And um, they've all, you know, actually all three of them have done very well. In fact, Sam, I don't know if you saw it. I sent, <laughs> I had one of those proud mom moments. Joel's book, uh, Frankie Finds the Blues is being celebrated at the Motown Museum this month. I,
2: I did and, see um, that, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I did see yeah. that,
1: yes, that's great. Yeah. So, you know, that was, that's kind of cool. And um, Peter, of course, is a teacher and a musician. And Ben, Ben, as he, once he started playing and singing, it did not surprise me that he was well, he discovered very quickly. And um, I mean, he had the drive, he had the talent, he had the whatever it is that it takes to, you know, and, and, and wrote very early, his own songs. And, um, and so the success in music didn't surprise me. The celebrity is a, another kind of a thing. And that takes some getting used to, um, the, the, having a celebrity in the family. I don't know, you may know about that, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sam.
0: Yeah, talk about that, Sam.
2: Well, I think, um, well, I would first of all, um, Say that um, it's, there's there's something of a difference between a celebrity author and my my celebrity author brother would, would has said this, and somebody who's a, a rock star, which is probably I don't know that Ben would call himself that term, but that's close enough I think. And um, um, and rock stars and movie stars and get a lot of uh, attention. Um, so do celebrity authors, but uh, a celebrity author, author can walk through a. The airport of every major city except for maybe their own and maybe a couple of people notice them i think that once you as, once you become famous on this other level at this sort of rock star level i think it can actually begin to invade your life the best example of that for me is not so much dave as it is stephen who um crosses a line over from of course stephen is really fundamentally an author that's what he is but uh, that's what he loves that's what he does but I have witnessed events. I've, had, I've had, literally have been a, had to be a bodyguard for Stephen King and I'm not really trained to be a bodyguard but um, I you know grab a harmonica and play at people and chase them away. but <laughs> no but you know there's this almost uh, insanity that develops around celebrity in the United States. and I think that's what Ellen is referring to and it makes it al- almost impossible to le- lead a normal life or um, you know have a normal, engagement with the public because, not because everyone is that way, but enough people are kind of nuts about celebrity. Uh, So for all the fun of it, I guess I'd say, because it is a lot of fun, I I don't want to act like it's some bad thing, but (laughs) that element of it, I think, is what um, Ellen was referring to, is there's a little insanity around how uh, Americans approach their celebrities
1: well, fan does stand for fanatic, so yeah. <laughs> that's did you get? Yeah, that um, and the need to to get to celebrity somehow. You know that, and if you know a, a brother, a mother, you know his access to celebrity is was something to learn to deal with. This there is an invasion of your life, like you say. You can be walking down the street and and someone will run up to tell you about a dream they had about you, you know, <laughs> and and weird things arrive from, uh, I, uh, from different people from all over the world, and I have a little place in our loft upstairs here that I call the stalker file, and uh, <laughs> those things wind up. <laughs> wind What's up in up. there?
0: What's in that vault? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That was a little, that, that was the the surprise. I mean, that was, that's, celebrities kind of are different by, by necessity. You know, it's a, it's a a circle, you know, you're, the more famous you are, the more fans you have, the more fans you have, you know, just. And he had celebrity marriage too
0: in there.
2: This reminds me, it reminds me a little bit of the, um, F. Scott Fitzgerald comment about the rich being different than us. Only it's the celebrities really that are different than us. And the other thing I think of is the uh, since we've given a lot of thought to the British royalty is um, <laughs> <laughs> the, over there. That's I think the category we're talking about. But here it's, uh, but mostly it's a lot of fun. And and uh, you know all these people that we, you know that you encounter in the world of the arts, and music and and literature um, are, are really fascinating people. And uh, it's more fun than it is anything else to be around uh, and to be a part of this world.
0: It is fun. So now that you you guys have written this book, what have you elevated, do you think, to uh, you're gonna have a stalker vault?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I Like Sam was saying, there's something about rock star it's like everybody's aspiration there are i mean neurologists famous neurologists or attorneys or hedge funder and what they really want to do when they get money and they get some time is pick up a guitar and be a rock star and we you know we 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 joke about the you know all the bands that we see and you know all the really fine expensive guitars are bought by lawyers you know you know, by, by the musicians the people that you know and they, and they do you know they play the songs of their, of their era and rock out and it's like is that all anybody really wants in life you know yeah
0: that's so cool <laughs> I, you're tapping into that sort of that um, innate feeling that we have and what do you think that is what is it that to be a rock star what do you think their fantasy is
1: Oh, I guess you have a million people adore you. <laughs> Millions, you know, I, I guess. Sam, do you have
2: a? I, I actually have a, it, I mean, I think that sums it up very well. I think, um, uh, but, you know, if you're a performer, it's, I mean, it's a joy to perform and you need an audience to perform, but I also would speak to another side of music that um, I think Ellen and I both have a lot of experience with, which is what most musicians are people who play locally in bands and uh, uh, in nightclubs and bars and coffee houses and um, um, some some of whom slip over into the world of fame and some back and forth between but as what we what we used to call sidemen I guess we should update that term uh, I've been a sideman meaning you know you've, you're playing alongside a, you're providing a role you're a role player and that side of music is is um, just as joyful and, of course, in that moment, in that nightclub or that coffee house, you kind of are a star. But it's 50 people, not, you know, 5,000. Mm. And um, I, I suppose it's the same joy and same hunger. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, musicians in general are, um, uh, uh, I think, I'm with Ellen. I think everybody can be a musician or everybody is musical. And if you like music, you're, you're musical right there just because you like it. And if you hum to yourself in the shower, you're musical. But musicians who really practice it and go out and perform it are a little, are a different breed, not just the very famous ones, but the less famous ones. Um, they're often a little bit eccentric and um, they're often a little bit outlaw. Uh, there's only, there's a little bit of an outlaw quality to a lot of uh, musicians. Um, and maybe that's another thing that the lawyers envy is, <laughs> is that they, pick up a guitar and be an outlaw like that musician and that they love at the local um nightclub and the funny thing about that is is that um uh, that unfortunately they don't necessarily aren't willing to pay as much money as we pay for lawyers i would just point that out to say
1: and and they also have a better retirement than your average musician who's been uh, out playing music their whole life. But it does, it, you know, playing music even at whatever level, you know, and performing. And and a, a lot of it for me is just the, the interaction, the musical interaction with the band. Uh, that's just, it gets in your blood. You just...
2: Actually, this gets back to an important element of the book, Um, Always a Song, uh, is about uh, one of the things, one of the characters in the book, Always a Song, is folk music, is the whole world of folk music and folk musicians that Ellen has been a central part of and her family have been a central part of. And um, folk music tries to, in fact, resist the celebrity thing and stress rather the communal side of it and that's what i that's what i love about folk music gospel music does that too um i mean all of them have stars but there's this desire to bring everybody into the musical uh, world right ellen do you think i'm saying that right it's very
1: very well put yeah um it's it's like you don't it's not the performer and the audience. The folk music encourages you to be both, I guess, and um, to be part of it. So-, so
2: for instance, when you do, if you, actually this can happen at a Ben Harper, it can happen at uh, with, that's why I say that being musicians, whether famous or uh, locally famous or world famous, um, Ha- share this quality of wanting to the audience to be part of it, wanting to bring people in, at least the musicians I like do. And mm-hmm. and there's a love in folk music of sing-along or get, having a chorus that everybody can join in on. And I'm sure all of us and anybody listening to this right now has experienced the joy of just singing together. Uh, and in that moment, everybody's a star, which is what's so great about folk music.
0: Well, it's about family, it feels like. And you know? This book is obviously about Ellen's beautiful family and Sam that, that you brought your, your family, you know, your, yourself to it brings everybody that you know and love into it, which is very cool, which is why, I, you know, it's, it's just, it's magnificent. Everyone should buy Always a Song, Singers, Songwriters, Sinners and saints and uh, it's available on Amazon. Um, but so my couple of final questions to you both um, I had the privilege of accompanying Sam when he was playing in Marin County so Sam where can folks come see you play?
2: Well right now nowhere <laughs> <laughs> but um, we I was talking to um, Monroe Grisman, um who um, you, you do you know Monroe Ellen? I don't He's, think so
1: I think you've mentioned him to me. I think Monroe I is
2: the son of Dave, David Grisman, who was in a band called Old in the Way, which was part of the Bluegrass revival. Uh, Jerry Garcia was in that band. Mm. Asher Clements. Um, uh, the Roman, You know, it was that whole crew. And anyhow, he I was at a birthday party uh, with him just this past weekend, and we were social distancing. I don't know why I had to say that. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and um, he, you know, he, we were talking about gigs, and it looks like it's really starting to open up this coming uh, june uh and so maybe sooner than that i'll be playing i mean i live in marin county in san rafael just north of san francisco where i've lived a lot of my life in this area and i the, and i play here uh a lot of people would know there's a musical scene in fairfax and uh san rafael here and in the surrounding area and then down in the city where i usually have played monthly at a great old place called El Rio for years and years with a great band, but I hope El Rio is opening up. You know, some of this is, uh, we're talking about the pandemic and uh, I don't have the crystal balls, but I think I'll be playing at all those places again, maybe by June, it looks like, possibly we'll start. Um, we'll see, I think it's feeling and looking good.
0: That's great, so where can people find out where you might perform?
2: They can find me on, probably the easiest thing to do is find me on Facebook uh, unless, and I'm right on there as as a, both as an author and as a musician. And um, so they're welcome to find me there. My page is there. Thanks.
0: (laughs) And Ellen, how about you?
1: Are you performing in Claremont? I will be. uh, Doing something on the 19th for one of the senior centers here at um, Pilgrim Place, a very progressive uh, center and, uh, I don't know. You know, we did that. Um, we Ben and I and a couple of staff members did a, the Newport Folk Festival sessions. Here we did our um, we did a, a sort of pandemic rendition of the field trip that we put on for kids, and they they filmed it and it's up. I think it's up on their their site, and that was kind of fun. So we've done some things like, you know, those virtual sort of things. Uh, we have started to book concerts in the fall people seem to think that we may be able to have some inside indoor concerts but um you know the summer would be great
0: yeah yeah that's great i I,
1: I think you probably can find out what's going on here or what i'm doing on the folk music center facebook page
0: yeah and ellenharper.net also is a great resource where you can learn all about Always a Song, Singer, Songwriter, Sinners and Saints, My Story of the Folk Music Revival. And it is definitely if you're a lover of music at all or American history, actually, to that point, um, this is a fantastic opportunity. So, Sam, just a final word from you.
2: Well, I'm I'm looking for right now I'm writing a new book and I can't tell you much about it because I'm right in the middle of writing it. But that's what I'm working on. And you mentioned the music, and I also love, you know, I will continue to do uh, editorial work with um, great writers like Ellen. And uh, so that's, that's the lovely, happy life that I'm leading here. And I'm just waiting to get outdoors and hang out with people more than we are lately. And I look forward to seeing people in person. That's the one thing I really missed with this um, book release, was that we couldn't do bookstore or... music center store events um, for the for always a song that would have been a lot of fun and i wish that had happened and i maybe it will still
0: yeah i hope so ellen how about you what's cooking well i've got
1: a few songs i've written i'd love to get back in the studio that's i mean that talk about the most fun of all i so i'll probably be doing that whenever that can work i like to have people there i don't really enjoy the distance you know, kind of recording um, I don't know, I'm writing away too I <laughs> we'll see we'll see what, what comes of it. Yes. You know, it's just one of those things you sort of do, right I mean
2: yes yeah. I, I want to say that Ellen's uh, tells a story in the book about uh, being in the uh, in the studio that uh, if you really want to experience what it feels like, it's a great uh, section of the book.
0: Thank you. Uh, yeah, all of it. It just, it's full of incredible history and per- you you do want to cry at many points in it. It's so poignant and um, honest just as as you both are. So Sam Barry, Ellen Harper, I can't thank you enough for being part of the Incandescent Radio Show. You will both be, of course, as I said, the feature of the April issue of BeIncandescent.com, our health and wellness magazine that talks about the business of mind, body, spirit, soul, and heart. And I think that you both encompass all of those wonderful things. So best of luck, always a song, buy this book, follow these fantastic people and keep singing. Thanks for having us on your show. My pleasure. I'll talk to you both soon.